Maybe he's having a tape erase that got on the internet. I don't know. So I'll tell you what he said, at least as best I can remember. Uh, something about me following him down here from Idaho and he can't get rid of me or something like that. But actually, I used to fill in for him in the uh, Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school class we had up in Idaho whenever uh, he was uh, preaching or uh, uh, busy. And so uh, this is kind of like old times for me. It's trying to step in. So those of you who are used to looking up about six inches higher, you're going to have to adjust yourselves a little bit. Um, as I mentioned, we did come from Idaho, and I just before I started uh, in the text, I wanted to express personally uh, my thanks for this church and for you. Um, we share a connection. A little over four years ago, our fifth daughter, uh, she was diagnosed with some severe uh, birth defects. Uh, the, uh, when we went in for her 20-week ultrasound, they told us that she was missing half of her spine, uh, that it looked like she only had one kidney, and that uh, she was looked to be fused to the placenta. And they told us that she had really no chance of survival. She could survive uh, uh, during pregnancy because of Tina, my wife, but uh, at birth we shouldn't expect her to live. In fact, uh, uh, they termed it she wasn't compatible with life. Uh, very, you know, very comforting words. But at that time, I know that Jack shared with you uh, our situation, and uh, I know there are many of you faithfully praying for her and i just wanted to thank you i really appreciate that and uh if you see her out there i call her scooter gabrielle she likes to scoot around and i'm amazed at how she can weave in between uh, you guys as she goes along but uh that's our little girl and she is our fifth and our last child Um, and if there's one thing that i've come to realize as a parent of five it is that parenting is not for the faint of heart amen (laughs) amen I can tell you from first-hand experience that I've often been at my wit's end in handling situations with my kids. I mean, what makes uh, raising kids so complicated is that they're all unique, even within the same family. They all have different strengths, different weaknesses, uh, different desires, different needs, different personalities, different uh, sin issues that you need to deal with. And then above that, you have the responsibility to feed them, to clothe them, to care for them, to raise them so that hopefully they'd be responsible adults. Um, this is make, This makes parenting... Uh, probably one of the most challenging and difficult tasks on the face of the earth. There are those lighter moments in parenting, though, like the uh, story of the mother whose young son was one day flipping through their large uh, family Bible, and they, uh, he found he saw something fall out of the Bible, so he stooped over and picked it up, and it was a leaf that had been pressed uh, within the Bible. And so he was excited about that, and he called his mom and said, Mom, Mom, look what I found. And so the mother comes out and says, What have you got there, dear? And the little boy with astonishment and excitement in his voice says, I think I found Adam's underwear. <laughs> so, wasn't my son, by the way. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though, what, what makes parenting such a difficult task is that we're bombarded with books and magazines and parenting videos and audio tapes and on and on and on, parenting programs which all tell us the most important thing for your child is or the goal of parenting is or your top priority as a parent is this or a child's greatest need is self-esteem or love or fulfillment or support, encouragement, safe environment, and, and on and on the list goes. Everyone, it seems, has an opinion about what is most important for your child. Now, often, you know, these are well-intentioned, but they're misguided in that they don't address the foundational priorities in parenting. Just what is your child's greatest need? 
And just what is it that you can do as a parent? What is your responsibility to help fulfill that need in your child? Fortunately, we don't have to search around endlessly to try to find an answer to these questions. In your hands, you hold the only authoritative resource that has the answer. It is the only book on this planet that is able with certainty and accuracy and authority to give you instruction in how to raise your children. Now, have you ever noticed, though, in the New Testament, there are only two specific mandates given to parents on how to parent. Ephesians 6.4 is one of those mandates, and it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the second one is Colossians 3.21, Do not exasperate your children so that they would not lose heart. But just what is the instruction of the Lord, and how do I bring them up in it? One may look at these two brief commands and think, you know, God didn't give a lot of details here. Maybe, maybe he's saying, you know, raising kids is just too tough. You're on your own with this one. But that's not the Lord, of course. If we look all through the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, we see numerous times where God provides specific instruction on how to parent. In fact, this morning, we're going to go to one of those texts in Psalm 78. And we're going to see there some very practical guidance from God to parents on how to raise children and how to fulfill our most important responsibility. That responsibility is, as a parent, to make known to your children the Word of God so that your children might come to know the God of the Word. If you're not already doing that, please turn with me to Psalm 78. Now, this is the second longest psalm in the Psalter and was written by, most likely by Asaph, who was one of the chief musicians during the reign of King David. I'll start in verse 1. A masculine of Asaph, listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, if we continue to read on in the rest of the psalm, the next 64 verses uh, tell of accounts and details from some of Israel's history from the time of Exodus all the way through to the reign of King David. And it tells of its main theme is God's faithfulness to an unfaithful and rebellious people. In fact, Asaph mentions several different times he describes the rebelliousness of God's people. One example is given in verse 10. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. And Asaph also says numerous times throughout the book, the root reason or or the main cause of why they rebelled against God. And that's initially stated in verse 8. They were a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. They didn't trust him. And Asaph mentions this over and over again within the psalm. Now, it's important to ask, as with any text of Scripture, what was the author's purpose in writing this? Why did he go through the account of Israel's history? Who was he speaking to? Who was his target audience for this psalm? And what was the main message that he was trying to communicate to them? Well, the beginning of this psalm tells us that this was to be more than a history lesson. 
If you look at the very first words in the title, a masculine of Asaph, that is, it was a, to be a wisdom psalm or a, a teaching poem in order to instruct some truth from God's word. He wrote this psalm to the people of Israel at a very important time in their history. David had come to the throne. The kingdom had been united under his rule. And Asaph asked them a very important question. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to be like your forefathers who were unfaithful and rebellious to the Lord? Or will you become faithful? Remembering his deeds, remembering what he has done, remembering his commandments. He is declaring to them that there is a way for them to do that. He is speaking specifically to one group and giving them the responsibility to ensure the faithfulness of the coming generation. To whom does God give this responsibility? Who are those who are going to ensure the future faithfulness of the people of Israel? Psalm 78 is an exhortation to parents. It was the parents' responsibility to teach the law of God to the next gen- excuse me, to the next generation so that they would be faithful to Yahweh. But how does this passage here, way back in the Old Testament, back in the time of King David, how does it relate to us here today? What is relevant to the New Testament believer and how will it help us in the task of parenting our children? Well, in this psalm, God tells us that our most important responsibility in raising our kids is to make known to them the word of God so that they might know the God of the word. And we see that particularly in verses 5 through 7. And that's what I'm going to focus our attention on here today in Psalm 78. And here, if you're outlining this, there are two uh, parts to the fulfilling the responsibility. The first is that God has given a provision of his revelation. Verse 5 states God's provision of his revelation. And secondly, verses 6 and 7 reveal the results of that revelation. Looking at verse 5, the first and most important element in fulfilling our parental responsibility is God's provision of his revelation. Look there with me. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Asaph reminds the parents of his day that God had put forth in written form his testimony and his law, which Moses had written down in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. It was there that the psalmist said, God has shown himself and his deeds and what he is like and what he has done. And it's interesting, that is the place that Asaph points to. It is the only source, the only place that God has revealed himself through his word. He has established the Bible as the only authoritative reference for us to know who he is, what he is like, and what he requires from us. There is no greater authority. You remember 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17? All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It is this provision of God's revelation that God then commands parents to impart to their children in verse 5. Look there again. Which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. God did not intend for his word to be for one generation alone. He wanted it to be written down and passed on from generation to generation. How was his word to be passed on to subsequent generations? How was it that the children of the next generation and their children and their children were to know God? He gave the responsibility to you, to you parents, to make known his word. He has made it such a way that we have it. We have God's very words that he had written down all through history, even more than the Torah, which is what they had in Israel at that time. We have all of Scripture that God has written to us and for us. 
Verse 5 says that he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. And the them there refers to the testimony and law, the scriptures. And the word there for teach them is more than just the idea of, of a simple impartation of knowledge. It really carries the idea of an intimate knowledge. It's more than just their understanding intellectually, but an understanding from the heart. We need to provide a clear understanding of what God has revealed. One author says that it is not a mere external transmission, but one of such kind as goes from heart to heart. Throughout the Old Testament, God had called parents to make known his word to their children. From Abraham, uh, Jack mentioned him this morning. Chapter 18, if you go down a little bit later, verse 19, God gave Abraham a command to teach his children the commands of God. God instituted the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread in order to be tools to teach the children the deeds of Yahweh in delivering them from slavery in Exodus 4, or excuse me, Exodus 12. The 12 memorial stones from the Jordan River were set up as a means to teach the children of God His mighty power and His promises that He keeps in bringing the children of Israel into the Promised Land in Joshua 4. Many of the Proverbs of Solomon, they were written directly to children. If you look in the first four verses, he talks about that, writing them to his son. The prophets also, in Isaiah thirty-eight nineteen and Joel 1, 3, indicate the importance of teaching the word of God to the next generation. In fact, if you look all through Deuteronomy, there are several references to parents' responsibility to impart the word of God. And if you could keep your thumb in Psalm 78, I'd like to go back and have us read a couple of those together in Deuteronomy. The first one is in Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 9. Deuteronomy 4, 9. It begins, Only give heed to yourself, and keep your soul diligently, that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. In verse 10, Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Listen to what Moses writes later in Deuteronomy 11.18. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Psalm 78.5 is simply one more call to parents to carry out the primary means of obtaining faithfulness to God in the next generation, and that is through the instruction of His Word. Now, this mandate to parents does not change after the cross. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6 again. It's parents' responsibility to bring up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mom and dad, your primary task as a parent is the same as it was for the people of Israel. You're to make God's revelation known to your children. Are you doing this on a regular basis? From where does your child receive most of their instruction from the Word of God? Have you relegated that to a Sunday school teacher or to a youth worker? This is your responsibility. Do not pass it on to somebody else. They can be a tremendous benefit and help. I work with the junior high group here, and we count it a privilege to come alongside you and help in training your children. But it is not our responsibility. It is yours. We are here to help, and we want to assist in any way we can. 
When was the last time that you read God's word to your child? When was the last time that you sat down and prayed with them? When was the last discussion you had with them about the Lord and what he is like? Is time in the word a regular part of your life? You cannot take your child where you have not gone. Dads, how much time do you spend with your son or daughter in the word or prayer? How much time do you spend in front of the TV or watching a sporting event? Do you devote more time to those things than you do in the instruction of your child, in the study of the word, and then in the imparting of that word to them so that they would know it? Now, I ask this because not long ago I was meeting with some junior high boys in a small group. And I asked them, how often does your dad pray with you? And they, every one of them told me, oh, just about every day. And I thought, oh, that's encouraging. And I said, well, when does he do that? And they all, every one of them told me at dinner time. That is when their father prayed with them. So I asked them, I probed a little further. I said, so uh, how often does your dad sit down with you and spend some time in the word with you? And every one of those boys said, he doesn't. Every one of them. Now, I know that's not true for everyone here. But if it is true, that is a travesty. That is a travesty. If you do not have time on a regular basis to spend in the word of God with your child, then check your priorities. They're out of whack. What consumes your child's time? Have you sat down and asked them, how much time do you spend watching TV or on the computer or with video games? And compare that to how much time have they spent with the Lord? I'm, I'm amazed, I'm, I'm shocked at some parents who are, who are surprised at the worldliness of their own kids and the fact that a majority of the stuff that goes into their mind is the stuff of the world. And the only time they're exposed to the Bible is here at Sunday school or maybe Wednesday night or during youth, the youth ministry. Does your child know more characters from a book or from a movie or a sports team than they do the heroes of the faith in the scriptures? How much time do you spend helping them with their homework, with English or math or history, and helping them to understand that compared to the time that you spend helping them understand the Word? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all the time you need to be in the Bible with your children. But I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about if, if you're spending, say, you know, 10 or more hours attending a sporting event with them or uh, helping them with homework, and you only spend 10 minutes in the Word each week, that indicates a problem. That indicates a problem. Your most important responsibility as their parent is to make known the word of God to your children so that your children might know the God of the word. And at this point, you may be asking, but how do I do that? How do I make known the scriptures? That's an adaunt, that's a daunting task. Am I supposed to have formal Bible study with them every time? Am I supposed to be teaching them Hebrew and Greek and having a seminary level education for them? How long do I teach them? What do I teach them? How often do I teach them? Right? Many questions about that. Well, again, the scriptures give us some very helpful answers and very practical guidance. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And this is, again, just one text that gives some very practical help and instruction to parents. We'll start in verse 4, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your might. 
These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Similar to what we read in Deuteronomy 11, simply put, take every opportunity that you have in the midst of life to teach your child the scriptures. Be in the constant mode of teaching. Help them see how the word of God applies in every circumstance of life. The Bible does have answers for all that we go through. Teach them about God's power, about his creativity. I remember in Idaho that uh, sometimes we'd have great thunderstorms and lightning and we'd sit outside under the patio, uh, of course, and, you know, the thunder would peal and the, they'd see the lightning and we'd say, you know what? God's, God's voice would sound louder than that, you know, and they sit there and may, whoa. But that's what the scriptures tell of our God, that his voice thunders. He speaks as thunder. When you're at the Grand Canyon... Or at Yosemite, or out driving and you see a beautiful sunset. That's an opportunity to make known the scriptures. To let them know of God's wonderful creation and what kind of God it is that we serve. Teach them about Christ's humility. If you notice them being selfish, go to a text on Christ's humility and how he showed the heart of a servant. Teach them about prayer if they're going through a difficulty, a difficult circumstance. I remember one of my children uh, playing baseball and uh, his first year. And I didn't ask him if I could share this, so I hope that he'll forgive me. Um, but basically, he, uh, he was struggling with being able to hit the ball. And he could not hit it to save his life. Practice after practice, game after game. And so I sat with him. He was getting frustrated. And I said, Daniel, have you prayed? Oh, I gave away his name. But I only have one son, so. <laughs> I asked him, I said, have you prayed to the Lord to help you with this? And he said, no. And, and so the next game, I, I went there, and, and he, he hit the ball every time. I think three or four times he just nailed it. So I asked him afterwards, I said, you know, you did very well today. And he said, yeah, I prayed and asked God to help me. And so uh, unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. The next week, I, he hit the ball again extremely well every time he was up. And I asked him, so Daniel, did you pray again to ask God to help you? And he said, no, I'm good now. Uh, <laughs> so, but teaching opportunity, right? We talked about pride and the importance of dependence on the Lord. So again, every opportunity, take it. Teach them about their sinfulness and their need for a Savior as you discipline them. You know, discipline is not simply a means to carry out your anger or to get them back or to have justice, but it is a teaching opportunity to show them they need the Lord. Describe to your child what God has done and why he is trustworthy. Another example of this I mentioned earlier about Gabrielle when we went in for the ultrasound appointment. You know, and we were just excited as we sat there and, and watched that little heart beating and her arms just flailing around and we're full of joy. And then the doctor comes in with the Kleenex box and you're thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? And he, he tells us about uh, her impending death and that joy just turned to, to sorrow. We, you know, we were, we were in despair over that. And so as we were walking back to the, to the van and um, we sat in the car and just started to cry and and our kids were there, and especially our two older girls, and they, uh, you know, they had worried expressions on their faces, and they said, is she going to live? And it was in that moment that we took the opportunity to tell them, you know what, God is in control, and he is trustworthy. And we don't know why we're going through this now, but we need to trust him, and we prayed with them there. You know, it's in the midst of everyday situations in life and in trials in life. Make known the word of God to them. 
you as parents must establish habits with your children where you're teaching them the word of God consistently. And this doesn't happen, have to happen in formal settings. You don't have to have a, you know, a, a podium in your, in your living room and you'll sit them all down and okay. Uh, you know, you don't have to have Edward come over every, every night when you do it. Okay. But have those times. It's important. Have those times. But again, take every opportunity in every situation and just ask yourself, train your mind to do this. What can I make known about the Lord in this situation right now? What is it from his word that I can teach my children? And you don't have to have a, you know, a pocket Bible where you pull out and start going through passages with them, but know the word so you can just in everyday life and everyday language that they can understand, explain to them the things of God. This is, again, our most important responsibility as a parent. It is to make known the word of God to our children so that our children would know the God of the word. Now, not only do we learn from our text before us that God has provided his revelation and commanded us to teach it to our children. But again, secondly, in verses six and seven, it shows us the result of his revelation, the result of his revelation. Look at the very first word in verse six, where it says probably most of your translations that. And that word is a very important word because what it does is it connects the injunction in verse 5 to what fruit the mandate produces in verses 6 and 7. In other words, it would probably be better to translate it as so that. That is, God has commanded parents to teach his word so that it may produce specific results in the lives of your children. And here the psalmist gives us three specific results of God's revelation in the life of your child. The first result is that it will produce succession. And I'll try to explain what I mean by that. Look at verse 6. That the children, the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. Consistent teaching in the word of God to your children will lead to the instruction of the word of God to their children. Again, look at uh, verse 6. That the generation to come might know. And again, the meaning here, Behind the word no is more than intellectual understanding. Okay? Again, it has the idea of an intimate knowledge. It is not simply knowing him, but knowing, or not simply knowing about him, but knowing him. A simple recitation of a bunch of Bible stories is not what's in view here. Do you understand what God did and why? Does your child understand the character of God as it is revealed in Scripture as you go through these things with them? Do they know what God requires and why? Have they developed an awe and appreciation for God as they learn Him from the Scriptures? Verse 6 tells us that when you make known the Word of God to your children, not only will they know His Word, but they will in turn make it known to their children. That is your grandchildren. And the author continues that repetitive succession and then he says, your grandchildren will arise and they will make it known to their children. So not only your faithfulness to the word of God and teaching your own children will impact them, but it'll impact the next generation and the next generation. Thus, your faithfulness in, parent, in parenting them and making known the scriptures to them can reap fruit for generations to come. That is what the psalmist here is focusing our attention to. Again, remember, successful parenting is not simply raising your children, but is equipping them to be able to raise their children. Secondly, in addition to producing succession, making known the word of God to your children can produce faith in them. Look at verse 7, that they may put their confidence in God. And the word here for confidence is the idea of faith, belief, trust, 
This is a critical truth that the passage is communicating, and I want to spend some time here because you as a parent must not overlook this fact. You cannot overlook it. It is the key for our instruction to parents. The only way for Israel to avoid the lack of faith in God in the coming generations was that they needed to make known the word of God, God's revelation to their own children. You see, the people of Israel were bent toward rebellion. They wanted to rebel. And is it true of just them? All of us in here, in fact, every human in history, every human in the world is born as a rebel against the Lord. You remember Romans three ten through 12? It teaches that clearly. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Listen, all of us are in this boat. All of us have rebelled against God. Your children are also rebels against the Lord. They are born with that predisposition. So have you asked yourself lately, what is my child's greatest need? Is it a good education, a well-paying job, a solid moral compass, success in sports? Now, these aren't bad things, but are they the most critical thing? Listen, your child's greatest need is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in him. Without placing faith in Christ, your child will suffer eternity apart from God. One author summarizes this well as he says, There is only one remedy for the child's inborn depravity, the new birth, regeneration. Your top priority as a parent then is to be an evangelist in your home. You need to teach your children the law of God. Teach them the gospel of divine grace. Show them their need for a savior and point them to Jesus as the only one who can save them. If they grow up without a keen awareness of their need for salvation, then you as a parent have failed in your primary task as spiritual leader. As believing parents, you are the first and most important preachers God has given them. You have a better opportunity than anyone to help them frame what they know about Christ. End quote. Psalm 78, 6 teaches that the word of God is what produces faith in him. It is the word that is the means by which God may, reveals himself to the rebellious heart. Brad mentioned the text earlier this morning as he was sharing uh, regarding the building. From Romans 10. If you remember Romans 10, 14 and 17, they teach, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how they will, will they believe in him who have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. How will they hear without a preacher? You are the preacher in your home. You must teach them over and over who God is what he is like, what he has done, what he requires from them. That is your responsibility, and I cannot stress that primary role enough. In fact, I'd like you to look with me at 2 Timothy 3. I quoted from that passage, 2 Timothy 3.16 earlier, which talks about the sufficiency of God and helping us grow in Christ. We'll look a couple verses ahead of that. We'll see a, a very important illustration of what Psalm 78 is talking about here. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 14. Paul speaking to Timothy here. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
How was it that Timothy came to, came to Christ, faith in Christ for salvation? Timothy trusted in Jesus because of the scriptures which were made known to him from his early age. It was his mother and probably his grandmother who would teach him the word of God. And that is the means in which God used to save Timothy. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. There are no guarantees here, right? Salvation is of the Lord. It is his decision. But if you do not faithfully teach the word of God to your children, you have taken away the one thing, the only thing that the Holy Spirit uses to bring your child to faith in Christ. I plead with you, invest the time to teach your children the scriptures. Make that a priority that they should put their confidence in God. Do you want your child to trust in the Lord for salvation? Then teach him the word. Now let's move on to verse 7. Not only does God's revelation produce succession, secondly, faith, but thirdly, verse 7 reveals that it produces the fruit of true faith, and that is obedience. Look at the end of verse 7, that they should not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. If you do not continually instruct your child, they will forget God's deeds. They will forget his commandments. They will not obey his commandments. And the word order here in the Hebrew really focuses our attention on those two words, on the works and commandments. Asaph wants us to realize that as we're teaching the word of God, our focus needs to be on what he has done and who he is and what he commands us to do. So as you tell the great stories of old, focus on the true hero of the scriptures. And who is that? It's God. As you tell the story of Daniel, don't focus on Daniel's faith as much as you should focus on God's power in delivering him from the mouth of the lions. The story of Exodus is not about Moses' faithfulness as a leader or his trust in God. It is about God keeping his promises and showing his power and redeeming the people of Israel. Tell of God's commitment to judge sin and to bless obedience. Tell of his sacrifice. Tell of his salvation. Tell of his humble incarnation. Tell of his forgiveness. Tell of his return as king and judge. All of these things we need to be instructing our children. Draw your attention Try your child's attention, excuse me, to God's wonderful acts, to his mighty deeds, to his commands. What remedy does Asaph prescribe to the people of Israel in order to remember the Lord and avoid rebellion? It is the same remedy that you as a parent have to keep your child from turning from God. It is the only remedy that you have to put them on a path of salvation, of trusting God and obedience. Make known the word of God to them. It is through the word that we learn of his character and his deeds of power and compassion. It is through his word that we discover what he requires. It is through his word that we see his forgiveness and salvation. It is through his word that we learn of his great sacrifice and humility and becoming a man and dying for us. It is through his word that your child will be brought to faith in him. Parents, Psalm 78 is a message of warning. If you do not make known to your children the word of god you have given them no remedy for their true need of trusting in christ for salvation they will follow the path of their rebellion against god into an eternity of hell you see we're in a war here your child is in a war here our great adversary satan has had thousands of years to study us and to array his forces against us the world television movies Deception, false teaching, false religions, humanism, 
You can't avoid this battle. You are in it, whether you like it or not. And your children are in it. In fact, not only do we have Satan to fight against, but your children are already predisposed in rebellion against God. How are you preparing your child for battle? As they step out that door each day, are they ready for this battle? Are you simply giving them a memory verse here or there? Are you relying on the Sunday school or the youth program here to to build up and to arm your child? How much time are you spending in prayer with them? If you do not fulfill your responsibility to make known the word of God to your children, you are preparing them for a slaughter. It is like sending a soldier to battle with a toothpick or a popsicle stick. It's like sending a batter to the plate without a bat, a surgeon without a scalpel, a musician without an instrument, a singer without a voice. You send them out in the battle against Satan and their own sinful hearts with but a little stick instead of a sword. Listen to me, I plead with you. Fellow parents, do not let anything crowd out the time that you need to spend with your children, making them to know the God of the Word. Make them to know the scriptures. I hope that as your child stands at the throne of judgment, that he or she does not turn to you and say, why did you not teach me of God? Why did you not invest the time in helping me to know his word? You had time to make all my practices and my games, but you had no time to pray with me. You made time to help me understand my homework, but no time to help me understand the scriptures. You took the time to provide food for me, but you did not provide me with the bread of life. You did not point me to my greatest need, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, thankfully, Asaph did not stop with that message of warning. But he gave us a tremendous message of hope. And that is the point of this psalm. It is a message of great hope. We are not left alone in this battle. God has given us a weapon of great power. In fact, it is the only weapon that is able to penetrate the human heart and change it. It is the only weapon that God uses to defeat Satan and the world. It is the word of God. And what you need to do is take the sword of God from his sheath and wield it in the life of your child. There's a message of great hope. Take every opportunity that you have at home, in the car, when you're on vacation, when you get up in the morning, before you go to bed, every opportunity to make known the word of the Lord to them. Sing with them in the car. Pray with them. Ask them questions, no matter how old they are. If the kids are young, then read them Bible stories. Don't just focus on the five or six that everybody knows, but but teach them all that you can of the Scriptures. Walk them through the different stories. I just love it. Every Bree comes up, our youngest one, she's just going to turn four, and, you know, on my door, Daddy, can you read me a Bible story? You know, I've got to drop everything I'm doing. As your kids become older, the temptation is to neglect that time with them. You know, they're getting older. They can read the word on their own. But this is the most critical time in their life as their minds and their hearts are maturing. That is a time to make known the scriptures to them, to help them understand how they can deal with the situations in life. The word of God has answers and we need to point them that direction. We need to teach them. We need to explain their sin and their need for a Savior over and over again. Now, if you haven't made a habit of spending time in the Word with your children, all is not lost. This sword is still sharp. It is able to do a great work. There is hope, parents. 
If you're feeling bad or convicted, don't dwell there. Go home, take the Bible out, and just start reading it with your kids. Okay? It will do a work, despite all the, the years maybe that you've neglected that. Maybe some of you, your kids are grown and they don't know the Lord. Either you weren't a believer or they just they didn't spend the time in the Word they needed to. They turned away from God. Again, that salvation is up to Him. Again, you have hope. Spend time with them, even out of the home. When you're with them, make known the Word of God to them. It can change their heart. Now, if you don't have kids yet, maybe you're not even married, build habits now so that you could be prepared and ready to do this most important task, this most important responsibility in making known the Word of God to your children. Are you spending time in the Word now and growing? Are you able to teach children? Volunteer for a Sunday school class. Or better yet, uh, invite yourself over to a parent's home for family devotions. Say, hey, can I, can I come over and see how you uh, spend time with your kids and teaching them the Word? Okay, do that. Just invite yourself over. And I would recommend doing it around dinner time so you can get a free meal out of it too if you want. <laughs> I have too many kids. You won't get much to eat at my house, but you know. <laughs> Spend time with them. That's... That's the message of Psalm 78. Spend time with him in the word. Now, some of you, maybe your kids are out of the home. You've done your job. If you remember, there's a little word in Deuteronomy 4. It talked about not only sons imparting the word, uh, uh, but, but grand, to your grandsons as well. Grandparents, go ahead and spoil them with the candy. That's fine. But also, take the time when you're with your grandchildren. Teach them the things of God. And to the rest of you, maybe you don't have kids or your kids aren't here. You know what? This is something all of us can support our parents in. Parents need help. So if you're spending time talking to a kid after Sunday school or something, ask them what what they learned in Sunday school. Or ask them if they're older, what are some things you can pray about for them? What are some things, you know, with a a young child, you can ask, what's your favorite Bible story? You could start a conversation off that way. But help out. That's the business that we're here about. We're a family of families, and it is the whole body that God uses to help us become more like Christ. I was talking with a friend of mine recently whose eight-year-old daughter had been diagnosed with the most acute form of leukemia. And she had suffered tremendously in the radiation treatments and the medication uh, and the loss of her immune system during that time. And my friend told me of the great despair that he and his wife felt in watching their daughter slowly dying. They didn't know if God would allow her to live. And it was in the midst of this experience that God used to bring her to faith in Christ. This young lady's testimony exemplifies the focus of Psalm 78. Because throughout her ordeal, her mother and father were there constantly teaching her the word, memorizing verses with her, reading with her, teaching her verses on dealing with how God helps us through suffering and trial. And it was in the midst of that time one day when he was uh, talking to her about 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And God used that verse to bring her to realize that she wasn't trusting in God. Through all of that, that text alone God finally pricked her heart and she repented and placed her trust in Christ. 
through the confidence in God that followed, she was able to persevere some great suffering. And God did bring her through that. But you know, that parent taught me a lesson. His responsibility, he understood to make known the word of God to his child. And as a result, she now knows the the God of the word. Dear parents, hear the word of the Lord. Make known the scriptures to your children so that one day they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is a sober message in a way, Lord, I'm convicted even in speaking it and just knowing my need to be faithful and making known your word to my children. I ask God you would help me to be faithful to that task. And Lord, I pray for each parent and grandparent and in this room that, God, you would give them, Lord, a conviction to make known your word to them. And we thank you, God, that it is through your word Lord, that you give us great hope. We are not alone in this battle against the one who would wish us all to be condemned to hell because through your Son and through his sacrifice, which we learn of in your word, you've given us a way to know you and you've given us a weapon, Lord, to be able to fight against the schemes of the devil and against even wicked hearts, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would make your word effective in the children of this church, God. Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation to all of the homes represented here. God, we are a grateful people and thankful for all that you provide for us. In your son's dear name we pray. Amen.